listening to Beyond the Whistle. Beyond the Whistle is a show that takes you beyond the X's and O's of sports to provide tips and advice on the business of sports and how sports professionals can advance in their careers. Welcome to Beyond the Whistle. I'm your host, Odell McCants, and thank you for listening. On this episode, we have someone who I simply could not start this podcast without having as the show's very first guest. Our guests and I go way back as we attended the same high school, Flint Hill Preparatory School in Northern Virginia, where we both played basketball for the legendary coach Stu Vetter, but he's much, much older than I am. <laughs> His basketball career spans 31 years. I told you he's much older than me and includes serving as an assistant coach at James Madison, his alma mater, Old Dominion, George Washington, and Georgetown. In addition to his time on the collegiate sidelines, he has coached at five nationally ranked high school programs, four of which he served as the right-hand man to our coach, Stu Vetter, at Flint Hill Prep, Harker Prep, St. John's Prospect Hall, and Montrose Christian. And in his last high school coaching position, he led Montverde Academy to a national title in 2007. Known throughout basketball as an outstanding teacher of the game, he has been instrumental in more than 130 student-athletes earning college scholarships. And these include several high school All-Americans and guys who went on to play professionally in the NBA and overseas. He is a regular every off-season coaching and teaching at camps and clinics for players and fellow coaches. So I'm sure I've missed many more highlights of his basketball career. He's someone I admire, not just for what he's done in his career, but more importantly, how he lives his life. Our guest today, my dear friend and current assistant coach of the Pitt Panthers, Kevin Sutton. Kevin, welcome to Beyond the Whistle. Thank you very much, Odell. I'm honored to be a part of your podcast, and I'm honored to be your very first guest. Uh, I only have one correction for you. Uh, in 1999, uh, I actually started the, the Montrose Christian program, and then in 2000, I joined the Old Dominion staff and turned it over to Coach Vetter. So I actually uh, started that program and, and had the, the opportunity to be the head coach of two other high school programs, Bishop McNamara and uh, Montverde Academy. So I, I you know, develop three nationally ranked programs. Yeah, and Kevin, thank you for that correction. I did not know that at Montrose Christian, it was the pupil turning it over to the uh, teacher. You and I play for Coach Vetter, and he's special to both of us, and he's done so much for both of us and so many other people. So the least thing that I could do for him was to go and set it up for him in 1999 and then allow him to take the program over and then build it into another national championship-level program because he deserves so much for so much that he gave to me. And uh, But, yes, the people actually did go start the program and then turn it over to the teacher. Yeah. Well, Kevin, as you know, this podcast is part of a shift in my business to work with coaches and other sports professionals. And I've been talking about it with you for quite a while, and it's taken me much longer than I expected to launch. But I could not have done it without your advice, encouragement and support. And I want to publicly thank you for that. It's my pleasure. Oh, you know, you and I have known each other for a, a number of years. and It's been my honor to be your friend. And I'm always empowered to see people like yourself that are you know, striving to improve their lives and uh, impact this game of basketball uh, and impact lives through the game of basketball. So when you told me about your idea, I wanted to give you my 100 percent support. And uh, the only thing I did was just uh, echo the things that were tugging at your heart. Yeah. So, Kevin, one of the goals of this show is to help sports professionals, both coaches and others, gain insight into the career paths and journeys of others such as yourself. Mm -hmm. And specific to college coaching, I think there is a perception or belief that it's a very linear process. You know, you <laughs> play ball, you become a grad assistant, 
You move to a director of operations position, you know, then a full-time assistant position with the aspiration of becoming a head coach. Mm -hmm. And you are an example of someone who hasn't taken that linear journey. You have successfully woven a path between high school and college coaching. And I'd like for you to share with us your career journey by first starting with where you are now. You know, many assistant coaches, you know, when they move to a new program, Mm -hmm. they're joining an established or existing head coach and staff. And I know you've experienced this, but you've also had opportunities in your career to come into programs with a new head coach as part of a completely new staff, such as uh, this year, you know, with, with Coach Stallings coming to Pitt from Vanderbilt. Can you describe to us what the transition is like in both scenarios? Yeah, uh, you know what? Oh, I, I have been very fortunate to successfully navigate my coaching career in a, in a much different way than, than a lot of people. But uh, to answer your question, um, to have the opportunity to join Coach Stallings staff here at the University of Pittsburgh and coach in the ACC was just an opportunity that I could not turn down. You know, Coach Stallings is a uh, coach that's had a great deal of success wherever he was, Illinois State as a head coach, and then Vanderbilt for 17 years. And I had an opportunity to have one of my players, uh, Stephen Chiange, play for him at Vanderbilt. And I got to know Coach Stallings and, and his staff then. And I knew that he was a person that I had a great deal of respect for and that if the opportunity ever came, that I would jump at the opportunity to join the staff. So it's, it's really interesting to be a part of something that is the formation. We are literally and figuratively laying the groundwork and, and the foundation here, Coach Stallings program here at, you know, University of Pittsburgh. So it's, it's great to be on, on the ground level and, and seeing it grow on a daily basis. And, uh, it's going to be really neat in a couple of years to, to look back and say I was a part of that very first staff. So for me, it was just the next logical step that I felt I needed to take in my uh, coaching career as I continue to ascend the coaching ladder to reach my ultimate goal, which is become a head division one basketball coach. Yeah, you know, Coach Stallings is someone who I've always thought, boy, with so much success at Vanderbilt and the challenges that that program has built into it, not that Pitt has less standards, but with with such top high standards at at Vandy, Vandy, I've always wanted to see Coach Stallings in an opportunity, a situation where you guys could really go out and recruit the best and finest athletes and also players that fit your program and see what the results can be. I'm really excited for you and and Coach Stallings and and your entire program for this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that speaks volumes. Uh, you know, Coach Stallings has had great deal of success at a very high level academic school, uh, Vanderbilt. But a lot of people don't realize what a great school the University of Pittsburgh is. And if you look in the national rankings and all the different magazines, University of Pittsburgh is always ranked as one of the top public, uh, universities, you know, in the country, you know, and if not in the world. Just recently, after the very first semester here just ended, our basketball team had the highest grade point average in the University of you know, Pittsburgh's basketball history. Great. Lots of times in new jobs in or out of uh, sports, you know, you off, we often hear about the the 90 days, the first 90 days, uh, 90 day milestone and, mm-hmm. and that being your foundation and, and plan for success. When you are, and again, you know, I go back to my question here, you know, you've been in both of these scenarios coming in as a new assistant to an established staff at a school, but also coming in along with a new staff. What, what do those 90 days look like or what does that process look like in both scenarios? 
you know what? The, the, yes, ninety days is is what people talk about. Uh, what what you do in your first ninety days, you know. And the one thing that I've learned from all the people that I've had the, the opportunity and the, and the privilege to work for is that it's about one thing, and it's just getting to work, putting your nose to the grindstone, and just do what you've always done, and do it in a way that fits your personality, you know. So I think it's important that you try to establish the proverbial foundation. And establish yourself as the as the leader of the whole basketball program, and you're establishing the culture. So I think it's a daily, you know, on a daily basis, you're establishing the vision, you're sharing the vision, and then you're living the vision out so everyone can see where what direction that you're headed in. At least that's what I did when I was a head basketball coach, and certainly that's what I will do when I become a, a you know a head basketball coach. I think you know when you're the leader, it's important that you not only know what direction you're just going in, that you get other people to buy into that vision. This is where we're going and this is how we're going to get there. So does it does it help you coming in with a new staff that you are all at the same time trying to learn the team you inherit as well as the institution, the community? Is, does that help or, is it, or do you find it more challenging when you're coming in to a staff that you're trying to learn not just the new team you coming as an assistant, but everyone else is already established in that with that team and institution. It is a situation that um, first and foremost, you know, Coach Stallings has done a tremendous job of uh, assembling our staff. We have a nice group of coaches that are very passionate about the game of basketball and that are passionate about seeing the players that we have here to be successful. So that's the, the number one thing. You know, Coach Stallings is about teaching. And he brought an assembled staff that's a very good teaching staff. So, you know, what you're trying to do is you're just trying to make sure that you uh, get to know the student athletes, get to know the university and how it works. And then you just continue to establish, like I said, you establish your culture. And for us, our, our culture here is about work. You know, putting in the time, putting in the effort to work not only long and hard, but more importantly, to work smart. And Coach Stallings has done a tremendous job with building relationships and earning the trust, you know, of our players. And they've responded well to his teaching and then and how he coaches. So that's a testament to them. We have a mature team. Uh, we start four seniors and a, and a redshirt sophomore. So we have an experienced team, and, and they want to win. And uh, they know that Coach Stallings has a proven track record as a winner. So they bought in, and they were smart to buy in. You know, I feel like in the current basketball uh, universe, if you will, the the high school game and the high school experience and the high school process uh, has, has has been lessened to a certain extent. You know, and you and I, with Coach Vetter, played in in a high school program, and you coached in high school programs that really uh, mirrored or modeled college programs. What have you taken away from your college experiences when you've had high school experience that have helped you implement or build a program at the high school level? Building, a, you know, for me, building a program at the, uh, at the high school level, you know, it was something that my vision was to impact as many lives as I possibly could through the game of basketball. I want to create living trophies. So I took it upon myself and the selection of my staff to build a staff that was first and foremost took a holistic approach to development. We wanted to develop them as people first and foremost. So character development was important to us. We wanted to develop them as students. So their academics was very important to us. And 
lastly, we wanted to develop them athletically and put them in a position where they could gain an athletic scholarship. That was our whole focus and our whole vision of the program. Everything that we did was with an idea of development and preparing them for college. We took it upon ourselves as a staff to take a great deal of pride in when our student athletes left us and went on to the collegiate level, they were prepared in every way to be successful. And one of the highest honors I, I've ever, you know, compliment has ever been given to me, and it's the highest honor that I have ever been bestowed on me is from the late Skip Prosser when he told me L.D. Williams was the most prepared freshman that he had ever coached. I took that as a tremendous honor because I knew that my staff and I, we had done our job to make sure that L.D. was ready when he stepped on the campus at Wake Forest University, and he certainly was. He went there and had a great career on the court, and then he had graduated, and he's always been a, you know, a, young, a man of high character. So that's the approach that I took when I was a head basketball coach in the three programs that I started, Bishop McNamara, Montrose Christian, Bishop McNamara, and Montverde Academy. And Kevin, what what have you taken away from your high school experiences that have helped you in, in college coaching? Well, it, again, you know, oh, it, it's learning how to work, you know, not just hard, but learning how to work smart, you know, time management, just everything, you know, how to practice and, and how to structure a practice and uh, to get things accomplished. Um, and again, to prepare them for when they leave the high school level, that they were prepared for the rigors and they weren't, they were exposed to things at the high school level that they would be exposed to at the collegiate level. So, I try to, you know, prepare them in every way that I possibly can by simulating as much as I possibly could in a college environment at the high school level. You know, when I, during my time as an agent, oftentimes scouts and GMs would tell me that part of their evaluation is how a player learns, you know, how is he able to adapt from a processing of information standpoint to what they do. When you're recruiting and evaluating high school players for your college team, you talked about how your players were were strongly prepared for college. How much of your evaluation process of, of a high school player falls into that category, too, of how they learn and process information? Uh, Odell, that, that's an outstanding question, and it's a question that isn't often asked, so certainly it's not often you know discussed. And I'll give you a quick story, and then I'll answer your question. While I was at Montvert Academy, I'm very fortunate to be married to an educator. My wife is one teacher of the year more than I want coach of the year. And, uh, and since Montvert Academy was an international boarding school, uh, we had a number of players from different countries. So not only do we have language barriers, but then you also, you have learning styles. And so my wife would come in and, uh, unbeknownst to the players, I mean, she would sit up in the stands, but they didn't know what she was doing, but we would do different drills and she would help me an awful lot, but she, she could evaluate players and how she thought that they learned their learning styles. You know, if it was a kinesthetic learner, meaning that he would have to physically walk through when I was putting in a new play, if he was a, an auditory, you know, he could just listen and, and get the play and understand the play. Or if he was a visual learner, you know, he could just look and understand the play. She would be very helpful in that regard, you know, to help me be able to teach them the best way possible. And so we really went into this when I say we, my coaching staff, my wife, and we went to the point of 
giving everyone in our program a learning aptitude test, not necessarily aptitudes, but learning styles test. And, and, and it was really interesting to see how close she was and how accurate she was. So to answer your question, now as a college evaluator, I do tend to look at that. That's the reason why not only do I watch them in the game, I want to go and watch them in practice and see how they respond to their coaches. And then I, and I like to get to events early and, you know, stay late. I like to see how the young men come in, you know, into an arena, you know, and how they prepare, you know, for the game or how they prepare for practice, you know, and then I always always will interact with the guidance counselors and the secretaries at the school to see their character and, and the teachers will, you know, I'll ask them, you know, what their thoughts were of him as a, not only as a student, but, you know, what they thought his learning, you know, styles are. Just gathering as much information as I possibly can because in a game of basketball, as you well know, you know, we disseminate a lot of information in a very short time, you know, so digestible information is, uh, is what you try to accomplish as a coach. And I know the players, sometimes someone taught me, don't focus on how it's being said, but what is being said. So you're no, gonna, no you need young men who can decipher that, you know? No, no question. And like I told you, you know, when, when we, when I was at Montverde, we would have so many different languages. And then I would tell them, like, listen, you guys are smart. You, you're, you're bilingual, but your coach only speaks one language and that's English. So you got to hurry up and, and master the English language. You know, I, I need you to, to, to understand English and I will try to learn your languages too. But it's important that you are, you know, Try to learn English as quickly as you can, because like you said, uh, too oftentimes people get caught up in how things are said to them versus what is being said to them. And, you know, Kevin, you also talk about the evaluation process. It's easy to think that the game is the most important part of that because as a fan or, or an observer, you see college coaches at a game, college uh, professional scouts at a game. Yeah. But that practice, evaluating the practice, to me, yeah. is an yeah. important part. We talk about lear- learning styles. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's kind of unfair. You know, uh, you can go out and and want to see a, a player playing a game, and he could have the game of his life and never play uh, as well as he did that particular day. Or you can drive three hours to go see a player, and he gets two fouls in the first quarter. You know, so you don't see him to the halftime, and then once he gets in at halftime and he, he recognizes you're there, then he just comes out of character and does things that he doesn't normally do and has a bad game. You know, so, but when you go to practice, you, you, for me, when you go to practice, you get to see a, a lot more and you get to evaluate a lot more. You get to see how, how they practice. If they know how to practice, you get to see how, you know, they respond and take coaching, you know, because at that point in practice, the, the coach has more time to not only to explain, what he wants and what he doesn't want, you know, versus being in a game where, you know, it's a 30 second timeout or a 60 second timeout, or you stand on the sideline and, and shouting out a defensive, uh, uh, you know, press. And then the kids got to remember what offensive play to run as, as well when we get the ball back. So a lot of information in a short time, but in practice, they have the right to, when they make a mistake to do it over and do it over. And then you respond and see how the coach, you know, how the kid responds to the coaching during practices. I think a much more accurate evaluation than, than what happens in the game. Yeah. So going back to the career journey, what is your personal process for evaluating a new, new opportunities? I'm a big character guy. 
I've been very fortunate to coach and work with high character people that were passionate about being good people and good teachers. And that's how I learned, you know, and how I got into coaching is because I had great coaches, starting with my dad, uh, who was my first football coach when I was young. And then I was very fortunate enough to, to have uh, little league football coaches and little league basketball coaches that were great teachers. So I learned the game. I learned the game the right way. And then when I went on to high school, we both played for Coach Better, who was a Hall of Fame coach at any level. And then I had the opportunity to, to go to James Madison and play there. And I got started in my career in coaching by, you know, every summer coming back in, uh, while I was in college, coming back and coaching summer league games into Washington, D.C. here for, for Flint Hill and, and Coach Better taking time and pouring into me and as a coach and seeing in me that, that I had the passion and the drive to become a great coach and then come back and work with him for 10 years. My goodness gracious. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> They talk about an apprenticeship. Yes, <laughs> I did my ten thousand hours, like Malcolm Gladwell said you had to do, and uh, and I was prepared. So in you know in ninety nine, and, and when Montrose Christian opened up and offered me the job, I was ready. You know, and Coach Better knew I was ready, and he had prepared me well. So when I evaluate situations, I, I look at the character of the person first. You know, and then I, you know, obviously look at them as a coach and, and see, you know, what type of coach they are. They're a teacher. If they, and, and you can see that in, in, in how their, te- their teams perform. And, and obviously in this day and age, you can access to so much more information. You can study and you can read. And I just also want to work with people who will also push me to reach my ultimate goal because I think that's important. That you push, you push your assistants to, to, and try to help them move along in their careers. I think that's important. So that's, that's what I do when I evaluate people that I want to work with. Once someone has established what their you know, criteria or their processes for evaluating an opportunity, you know, and they're fortunate blessed to be hired on, onto a staff, you know, as assistant coach, what do you see as being the most important responsibilities and role as an assistant to the head coach, not necessarily, you know, the role and responsibilities for, for the team, but, but working with that head coach. I think uh, every great assistant's job is to make their head coach be successful and make them look good, make them be successful in every way, shape, or form. I think that's the, the role of an assistant is to take on responsibilities is, and be self-directed learner. Don't have to be micromanaged. But the number one goal is to, is to be a team player, be loyal, and to make their, their, their boss look good and help them be as successful as he possibly can. Yeah, I know even in my corporate career, that's always been my feeling is that that's the role that I play to whoever my, my boss is to help them be successful. You know, even you know, if I know they're having a meeting with their boss, you know, I want yeah. to make sure they have all the relevant information on my activity mm-hmm. and my job or, or the team's activity job so that they are fully prepared with their boss. And I, I couldn't couldn't say it any better. I mean, that's the number one thing is for us to make our boss look great. So, Kevin, you you and I have talked about three. I, I think there are three pillars of success. There are many pillars of success, but three uh, being people, events, and environments. How have those three areas? Uh, could you share some with us how they have guided your career? You know what, uh, Odell, I. I learned at a very young age that when you associate with people with goals like yours or higher, then you have a 
a better chance of being successful and reaching the, reaching your media goals and you know those goals that are even considered to be loftier because you're surrounding yourself with good people. I've been very fortunate and I, and, and I cannot say that enough that the people that have impacted my life have always been people who were, they use the sport and they use their position as a coach to pour in. And I think that's what we have, you know, in the coaching profession. I say this all the time when I speak, I said, you, you have the opportunity on a daily basis, you know, to, to be a ladle and you can be a ladle that either pours into people and fills their bucket, or you can be a ladle that takes water out of their bucket. I've been very fortunate. Like I said, my dad was my my very first coach, and he was a good coach because he cared. Coach Vetter has probably impacted my coaching career, my personal life, second to my you know second to my dad the most. You know, my, obviously my parents has the most influence. I very rarely make a decision without consulting him first. So I was very fortunate at high school. And then I had uh, John Thurston at uh, James Madison University that saw in me great potential to be a coach. What appeared to be my worst day, and we've all been there, is when your season ends uh, and every spring you go in and you talk to the coach and they, really, they assess what you did that year. And that one spring, going into my senior year, Coach Thurston called me in and said, uh, you know, Kevin, um, Everyone here respects you at James, at James Madison, um, but we don't think you're good enough to be, you know, on the team this past next year. But however, we do see the potential in you to be a great coach, and we would love for you to be a student assistant coach. Well, what appeared to be my worst day <laughs> turned out to be my best day. It put me on my career path, and uh, thank God that I lived in a time where there wasn't any cell phones. You know, so I had to go home and, and, and to my apartment and call my parents. And thank God I had parents that loved me dearly, but told me very clearly, we love you, but you can't come here. <laughs> you can't come home. <laughs> if you want to quit, you can't come home. And I think it'd be a good idea for you to walk back up there and accept that position. So I did. And uh, it put me on my career path, you know, instantaneously. And I've never looked back. So I've, I've had countless people, you know, George Raveling, and uh, there's too many people to name that have impacted my life. Uh, they saw something in me, and thank God they did, and hopefully I can continue to live up to it. So those, that's, the, that's the people part of it. Events, too many, oh, to, to talk about, you know, transferring from a public school, Falls Church High School, to a private school like Flint Hill, oh. and learning quickly about the value of uh, education and how to, you know, to, to become educated. So uh, Miss Casey and the people at Flint Hill, that was a great event in my life, earning a scholarship to James Madison University, becoming the first person in my family to go on to college, another huge event. Um, these were all situations that helped me continue to stay on uh, the straight and narrow. My wife has been very successful in my life, being married and having kids. All these events uh, helped shape me to who, who I am today. Well, that's the whistle, folks, which means we're about to give you a resource to take away from this conversation that I think you can use and implement right away in your own success journey. So, Kevin, what book have you read or currently reading that has had an impact on your career that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, well, first and foremost, uh, Odell, I'm a, an avid reader. I try to read at least two books a month. <laughs> uh, so there's countless books. Um, but I, I would say any book by John Gordon. He's one of my favorite authors. He's uh, written a great book called One Word. Very, very uh, simple but powerful where you go in and you just pick one word 
that for that year, that's going to be the word that motivates you, the word that keeps you striving for your success. And uh, five years ago, I read that book as I was transitioning from high school with Montverde Academy into George Washington University, and I chose the word persistence. And I kept telling myself over and over again, I was going to persist until I succeed. And I'm still persisting to this day because uh, my ultimate goal is to become a you know head college coach. A second book, How Full Is My Bucket by Tom Rath, is a tremendous bucket. I alluded to it earlier about we as individuals have the opportunity to be a ladle that either pours you know positivity into a person or a ladle that you know, takes water out of their bucket and takes winds out of their wind out of their sail. Those are tremendous books there. And then. I try to read books on leadership. I try to read books on coaching and I try to read books uh, on, on spirituality. So I'm reading right now Joel Osteen from Lakewood Church, Houston, Texas. I'm reading his, uh, you know, his uh, most recent book entitled Think Better, Live Better. And that's a great book. So there's three books right there, oh, that I would highly recommend to, to your audience that they could uh, sink their teeth into. And uh, I think they will definitely enjoy well, in typical Coach Kevin Sutton style, you're leaving us with even more. I asked for one, you're leaving us with even more. Thank you, Odell. I, I really appreciate it. I, I want to say to you and that I'm very, very happy for you. But more importantly, I'm very proud of what you're doing. And I think that you're going to have a tremendous impact. Continue to live out your dream. Use the game of basketball. To use this platform that you have to, to impact as many lives as you possibly can. And uh, let's continue together to create living trophies. Well, thank you, Kevin. Uh, as always, our conversations are full of career and life lessons. Uh, you're always insightful. And as I opened up with, I cannot thank you enough for your time and your friendship. Uh, so lastly, Kevin, where can people go, uh, social media, website, where can people go to learn even more about you and connect with you? They can go to my, my website, which is www.kevinsuttonbasketball.com. They can go to my blog site, which is www.kevinsuttonbasketball.wordpress.com. And then I'm also on Twitter at Coach Sutton. Great. Kevin, again, thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your knowledge with the listeners of Beyond the Whistle. My pleasure. Have a blessed day. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kevin. I agree so much with Kevin's belief that the main responsibility of an assistant coach to his or her head coach is to help make his or her head coach successful. And as you know by now, Kevin is an avid reader. When I asked him for a book that has had an impact on his career, he gave us three. One is How Full Is Your Bucket by Tom Rath. The book reveals how all of our interactions with others affect us. People are either filling our bucket, leaving a positive impact, or they're dipping from our bucket, leaving a negative impression, or leaving less than before. The second book is One Word by John Gordon. Simplify your life, business, or career with a focus on one word for one year. In Kevin's example, he had a year focused on persistence. My one word focus for this year is present. I want to stay present in the moment that I'm in, whether that's with my family or my career or business uh, activities. Be Being focused by staying present. The last book was Think Better, Live Better by Joel Osteen, a book about reprogramming your thoughts to remove negativity and live a more blessed and fulfilled life. You can find links to these great books in the show notes. You can learn more about Kevin at his website, kevinsuttonbasketball.com. You can go to the University of Pittsburgh men's basketball site as well, and also on Twitter, at Kevin Sutton. You can find these links also in the show notes. I know that at the right time, Kevin is going to make a great head coach for a program. 
He's a winner, a leader of young men, and a tremendous teacher of the game of basketball and life itself. So take note, UADs listening, and remember I told you so. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Whistle. To stay updated on future episodes, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast app you use. You can also learn more about McCant Sports and McCant Sports Institute by going to our website, McCantSports.com. Thank you.